The following content has been provided by RWTH, Aachen University. The very first system that moved beyond this sort of special purpose stuff uh, was called Sketchpad. And Sketchpad was another sort of key event in um, the development of, of interaction models. Uh, what happened there was that um, Don Sutherland came up with the idea of having an, a more general purpose interactive computer graphics program. So this was the first system in the world that presented ideas for general purpose interaction with graphical content on a screen, um, including things like satisfying constraints. What I mean by this uh, will become clearer when we uh, look at the video. So this video was made by a, an MIT science reporter. He's basically a guy who was running around MIT and interviewing the crazy researchers, what they were up to. Um, so you know, this, this interview is, will seem kind of forced, um, but he's trying to draw the interesting things out of you know, that researcher who has a hard time explaining this to the common folk. Um, you will see two-dimensional drawing. You will even see three-dimensional drawing, CAD basically. Um, you'll even see graphical programming um, in, the, in the last part of this video. So uh, let's check out this, this video. Uh, so a couple of things we, we saw here already um, was, first of all, what you noticed was the, this was basically, you know, like AutoCAD, Illustrator-like interaction. Um, happening, however, back in 63, uh, so even the invention of the PC is sort of another like 20 years down the line, right? It hasn't even happened yet. Um, what surprised me um, um, about this in particular was that uh, when you, did you notice anything about the interaction, the first part, when he was mo manipulating this like wedge on the screen? Was there something that you noticed that you couldn't even do today? with like Illustrator. Yeah? Could pick one point and move the lines with it. So there was certain, a certain sort of constraint, what basically like uh, the, the lines were anchored. If you move one, they were sort of magnetic, as we would say today in the interface, and the others moved along with that. Yeah, well, that's something that you get today as well, right? So you can basically have multiple lines, and if they're latched to the same anchor point, and you grab that anchor point, they will all move along. Yeah. You could use references of the objects you have drawn earlier. Okay, so there was this idea of sort of a reference or master and copy, as he called, and it wasn't really a, a dumb copy; it was actually sort of a smart uh, link to the original object. So you change one master, and then you know, or template, if you like, and then all the occurrences of that change. But even that's something that you know, maybe not Illustrator, but um, tools today support. I'm talking more about the actual sort of manipulation of the objects, the, the way that you interact with them, yeah. I think we have uh, breaking digitizers, but these are still pens we, we just put on the display or right on the display and we have those, uh, it, it looked just like a gesture based system. Uh-huh, okay. The pen um, with, with the air gap between mm -hmm. the display mm -hmm. and actually could, uh, could move it and these are things now finally with Leap motion or whatever. Uh, uh.
Uh-huh, okay, okay, so you notice the light pen doesn't need to actually touch the display uh, in mine. I mean, it, it's sort of manipulated slightly in front of the display. That might be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on whether you want to rest your hand while you're sketching or whether you want to stay away from the screen. Uh, you're right, but mid-air interaction sort of is just now um, coming back into the interface. Um, there was something else. You may have noticed this. Um, at some point, he took the wedge and he uh, changed its scale and uh, moved it somewhere else and also changed its rotation. Did you notice anything about that particular interaction? Yeah. I'm not sure, but he doesn't work actually with pixels where he's manipulating the colors. He works with the vector based. Okay, yeah, so this is a vector based system. So the computer basically uh, has a list of lines that it draws um, every time it refreshes the oscilloscope. And so this is a vector based drawing engine behind the scenes. We'll talk more about that technical part of, of how the system, these systems worked uh, in, in designing interactive systems too next semester. Um, but yet something else. Maybe it was so natural that you didn't notice it. Um, but let's say you want to move, scale, and rotate an object with like Illustrator today. What, how do you do it? Yeah. You choose the function and yeah. then you do it. Right, so you choose move, then you move it somewhere else, and you click on like the scale tool or whatever, and you use the scaling. Then you maybe click on rotate, and you do that. He did all these things at the same time, at least two of them. So at some point, he moved with the right hand. He had his light pen, moved the, the object from here to here, and with a knob, a physical knob, a dial on the on the on the scope or on on the system, he at the same time changed the rotation or the scale. So there was a sort of a bimanual interaction going on that we're beginning to see coming back now with multi-touch interfaces, right? Where you can take a picture and like, take two fingers to rotate and scale at the same time and move at the same time. Uh, but for the longest time, we, were, we had reduced the richness of interaction of people with the computer, even with a mouse, to basically me only having one finger to poke at things and do one thing at a time. I had to select tool after tool after tool to do individual interactions which is not at all what we do in real life. Like when I, if I have a piece of paper here and I, um, and I want to turn and, and, and move and scale or, or, or rotate and move it, I'm not going to first just move it there and then rotate it, right? I do all these things in one go. Um, and that was sort of possible with this uh, system already and is now only coming back with what people call you know, natural interaction with touch screens and so on. So I'm going to try to jump back into the video here. Okay, so then uh, the other thing you may have noticed on the 3D stuff, that was actually sort of, you know, hidden line algorithms running on this system, right? You know, hiding, hiding stuff behind the scenes. Uh, of course, you saw all the things like constraints of, of, of jumping on what we now call sort of uh, uh, snap to grid, basically, or snap to point uh, was implemented in this drawing program already. Um, and uh, we're now going to get to the um, last part where they're doing... Uh, sort of visual, uh, visual programming. Um, so in this last part, um, I was surprised when I saw this the first time because that's essentially sort of like visual programming or flow uh, chart-based programming. So like he says, like, you know, other people use punch cards to program the computers. Uh, we're not going to do that. We're not going to even code in text like you know, most of us still do today. Now we'll just draw our sort of flowchart, and then it will magically directly become executable code. 
Um, so very uh, visionary, and, and I just love the comment at the end, which also shows some of the sort of you know, cockiness of researchers, of course, and it's like, yeah, we've kind of solved the whole GUI thing now, so we're going to move on and do, I guess, speech recognition next, and then maybe handwriting recognition. Uh, well, uh, and you know, if you have like, you know, a smartphone, you know that you know, it's still, even you know, maybe now it's gradually becoming usable for like, the general public, but it has taken a long time, like 50, uh, 60 years. This content was provided by RWTH, Aachen University.